Who raised you? Crime? Mistakes? And these motherfucking bitches? Y'all comedians know you've been biting and hating on TK on. shit for too long. TK. Motherfucking TK. Yeah. TK said, bitter bridge and got over it. Want the spot, but he holding it. You control, he controlling it. This shit clay, he just molding it. Had to beat all of them cases. Change all of their faces. Who raised you motherfuckers? They ain't think I was gonna make it. Keep it G to a G. It's always me versus me. Never me versus him. Cause I can't be like them. Said Latham put me on hold. But this ain't glitter, it's gold. How you gonna say no? And you don't really know who raised you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to a gentleman that I'm proud of. He's been trying to get on my show since April. Some of the things he was talking about before, I had my interest, but I had so many other things going on that I chose other topics on my show. But this young man is from Washington, D.C., and has overcome every obstacle, and now he's a representative of D.C. Am I correct? Yes, I'm actually running to be the next U.S. representative, but... Okay, running. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. All right, cool. So tell the people your name. Let's see if we can get the people to come out and vote for you, because you're Afro-American. You seem like you want to do the right thing for the people. Anything I could do to change society, the the world, I'm down to help. Anything I could do to help what's going on out here now and... Until the day I die, that's important to me. So let's go. So the first about, of all, I just want about your depression, overcoming mm-hmm. bullying, all that stuff you wanted to tell me a while ago, up to now. Absolutely. So first of all, my name is Oye, and I'm going to be the next DC representative. But I'm going to fight for the biggest issue that no one's talking about, which is DC statehood. Um, about 700,000 Washingtonians don't have a vote in Congress, but we're paying taxes, and I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But a little bit about me, though, especially because, you know, I've been trying to talk to you for a while. I was born and raised in Roxbury, Massachusetts, which is probably the poorest part of Boston. Mm-hmm. And um, I was born in a Nigerian family, four out of five. And we were raised by tough parents. You know, they really forced us to really get in our schoolwork, really, you know, focus on the right thing. But, you know, I had a lot of childhood trauma, you know, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to talk about the lessons I've learned how I overcame these things, and how I still have those values today. Okay. So the very first experience I've had, um, I'm not sure if you know a lot about the Boston busing situation where they're sending, like, black kids oh, yeah, white to white areas and white kids. I used to run against your high school up there when I was in track. I mean, you was a baby. <laughs> There's a kid right. that went to um, – what, how did you – what's the abbreviation of, your, of the high school when they say it? Rock or Bro- Brockton? Brockton, yes. That's right outside of Boston, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brockton. Woo, there was a white boy in there that was cold in the motherfucker. <laughs> I right, so these are my experiences growing up. So I was sent yeah, I was sent to a, a rich area called Newton, so it's mostly white Jewish area. So yeah, my uncle I went to school Newton. over there. No, about Newton. Yeah, so yeah, I was mm-hmm. experienced in the first. I was probably the only black kid in my class, but I didn't know what race was when you were three or four or five years old. Yes. So once, like when you're in third grade and you start realizing, wait, I am a little bit different, you know, you're hearing jokes, it's a little bit different when you hear it from white people because you're thinking like, no, white people are racist and I'm black, it's not a big deal, it is what it is. Um, I was sitting on the Boston school bus which with a lot of kids that look like me and I was getting picked on over there. 
It'll mm-hmm. affect me a little bit differently because you kind of get picked on people who you think are yourself. Right. So back in the day, you only had three options when you're getting joked on and bullied about your skin color. It's you either fight back, you joke back, or you run away. So I was picking the fighting. Mm-hmm. So there was this kid that was basically bullying me. I was beating him up every time. But I was getting suspended from the bus because I kept fighting with this kid over and over and over again. Right. So I just experienced that kind of colorism growing up. So fast forward to seventh grade, I finally get put in a Boston school. So now most of the kids that look like me, and this was the darkest time of my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody made fun of my name. Everybody made fun of my skin color because I'm pretty dark skinned. Everybody just, it just made me feel inferior to the people around me. It got to the point that I was making friends with kids who were also making fun of me, but I also just needed friends, you know? Right, I understand. So the changing point in my life came midway through seventh grade, and I was at the library with a couple of kids I used to hang out with. And long story short, um, I picked a fight with someone who was picking on one of my friends, so-called friends. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let's take this outside. So we go outside, and it was basically four of them and like four of us. I get in a tussle with this one kid, and then the other kid's friend comes and hits me, all right? And I kind of stagger a little bit, and I realize I'm kind of outnumbered. My friend's out of me, so I run away. Fast forward about a week and a half later. I'm mm-hmm. with these same friends again, and basically those other guys come up again, and we're about to start fighting again, and I realize, once again, my friends didn't have my back. Wow. And, yeah. So the next day, I go back to school, and the same people I was hanging out with were telling everybody that I got jumped and they were making fun of me, which didn't really happen. But then I realized that I'm making all the wrong decisions by being around all the wrong people. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yep. And here I am, still getting A's and B's, but I'm fighting people and getting suspended from school, and nobody knows what's happening to me because I'm not telling anybody that I'm getting bullied. I'm not mm-hmm. telling anybody that nobody likes me because I'm dark-skinned. I'm not telling anybody that no girls wanted to talk to me. No, you know, like out the butt of all jokes. Right. And, and, but what I ended up happening was that I knew I wanted to get out of the situation. And I learned that I had to get myself out of the situation. Go to, if I want to get to a new school, a new situation, I had to get myself out. Mm-hmm. So I learned it was terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's tough for, uh, a seventh grader who's trying to figure out what's the meaning of life and things like that. Mm-hmm. And also dealing with people that you think look like you, not accepting you, not liking you, not so much you have to name on your side. Mm-hmm. However, I figured out that when I developed the skills to get myself where I need to be by staying away from the wrong people, by focusing more on how I interact with people and mm-hmm. basically making the right decisions, thinking, having a goal in my head of what I wanted to be 10, 15 years from now and not worry about my current situation. And I saw to this day, I use some of the very same principles of, you know, knowing your own value. And I'm not bullies, but I feel like nowadays with the whole PC culture, and with folks who are um, 
trying to not build up the person to stand up to bullying and realize there's life after this. Mm-hmm. We're doing a disservice to the next generation. We're having a group of people who don't know how to overcome conflict, if that makes sense. Right. And that's kind of my testimonial. So years later, I become a pharmacist. I get my PharmD. I come to D.C., make a change in the community. And I feel like being able to kind of, how do I explain this? Being able to overcome things on my own and overcome things with the right people around me and know that you are the sum of your part. If you hang around with knuckleheads, you will get knucklehead, uh, you'll make knucklehead decisions. That's right. It really allowed, yeah, it really allowed me to focus on things and also taking the piece from people that I do, like people I do admire and what do I admire about them and how do I incorporate that into my personality? Mm-hmm. For example, knowing you, TK, how you put so many people on, allows me to be like, you know what, the little things I know, let me share that with the world and then good things will come back to me. Mm-hmm, that's true. However, there is a flip side to that coin. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, I do still feel a little scarred sometimes. I know, like, my relationships have been, has been impacted by my childhood trauma, and I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know what the next, I don't know if I should seek help, or I don't know what to do at that point. Like, okay. professionally, I, I feel like I, I have all the answers. A person that I feel like I lack, and maybe that's something that I feel like I should have corrected earlier on. Yeah, it's not too late though. I think everybody should have someone to talk to. I've been through. How can I say? I've been through a lot. Like my um, de- dealt with death ever since I was eleven. Mother, dad, brothers all been killed or died. Right. And here I am today, and my kids just admire me so much because they're like, Dad, you're not on drugs. You're not yeah. depressed or nothing. Like, what is it? But I'm just built a certain way. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I think I'm very resilient. But I do have my moments, though. And what I mean by that is I get a little sad, you know, but I'm able to shake it off. I'm, you know, and, and sports, I tell people all the time, when you get depressed, try to take up jogging, try to take up boxing, anything that's physical that can help you release that energy. Because, you know, the body is, you know, have all these different thoughts and feelings and emotions. And if you're just sitting there, right, mm-hmm. you know, you get you know, you get antsy. You got stuff to do. People don't know how to release energy and that's how people get cancer that's how people i truly feel sometimes people think they're depressed but if you will work out if you would go run it would make you feel better and it would change the way you feel i'm telling you if you're sitting around and you're not doing anything you're just thinking you're just thinking all day think 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 and you don't have no outlet it's going to drive you crazy. I actually so got, got a funny a, sports story. Sorry, yeah, so you got to take up jogging if you can. Mm-hmm. You got to take up boxing. Even you had to just get in your room and do push-ups and sit-ups every day. That mm-hmm. can help you. But you got to get out of fresh air. You got, you know, all these things are important that's out here in this world. The sun helps you change your mood, what you eat, 
helps change your mood. Um, it makes you feel better. And people don't take advantage of things that are free, going for a walk, mm-hmm. relaxing your mind. All that's important. All that's important. But let me hear your, um, your story. Right. So my biggest thing when I grew up was football. My older brothers were great at football. They were football stars at the high school. Mm-hmm. So I get to the high school, and I don't know if I wasn't as good or people just didn't like me. I played left out. You know, they played running backs. I played left out. They didn't. I didn't play nothing. And it really hurt my confidence because I'll tell you a little story. I uh, I, I, I was a backup of this certain kid, and mm-hmm. one day he, I was killing it at practice that entire week. I'm like, this is gonna be my week I play. The kid in front of me, the starter, tears ACL running laps. Right, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, well, I don't play. I invite all my boys. I'm like, yo, this is gonna be, it's gonna be my night. They put my backup in to play the entire game. They did what? Now they put my backup. The person who's behind me, they started him over me. Whoa! The entire game. Now, what do you think it was? What do you think? I don't know. If it was a white black thing. I don't know. I mean, the coaches were all white. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it was my ego. They're like, we're going to show you. But I learned that day I never wanted someone to control my time, you know. Mm. And it changed the trajectory of my life. I thought I was going to play college ball or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, let me focus on community building. I like making people's days better. I like serving the people. And it really changed the trajectory of my life. Right. My best sport was actually wrestling, but I hated it. But maybe it was because I was so, like, angry and I had so much aggression about not being accepted by people that, mm-hmm. like, I was just taking out on my opponent. And it made me feel the type of way I didn't want to feel, you know? So I, I love sports personally, but right. I just think about football. I haven't played football since then, basically. It was, like, 11th grade. And mm-hmm. they put that dude in front of me, and I was just like, man. Right. And you think that... And do you think that motivates you to do what you're trying to do now? I think so. Um, I always had that feeling of just not being accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think that stems from, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade. I spent eighth grade by myself. Like, I was um, in a cafeteria. I would go to... Yeah, I would stand on a table by myself eating. Or even at the end of seventh grade, after I got into that fight with those kids, I went to detention on my own. Like, I right. took myself to detention so I would avoid seeing the people that I was getting in a fight with and getting in trouble with. See, what I'm hearing is it makes sense. I was just talking about this the other day. Your childhood has a lot to do with the rest of your life. And when I say who raised you, I really didn't understand. I, I came up with who raised you based on women I was dating back in the day who didn't have their life together, right? And I would say to myself, who the fuck is sending these children out here in the world unprepared? But who raised you is more powerful than that. Who raised you has everything with your childhood experiences, your environment, the way you think, your 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 education, um, your mother, your father, your grandmother, 
your neighborhood, your friends, all that plays a part. And this is why it's good that you're bringing this up and doing this episode because we want people who are older now who listen to the show to understand why they do the things that they do and to understand that if you do need help, you can try to go get help. If you don't have money to go speak to a therapist, then do what I suggest, and that's the run, the jog. You got to eat right. You got to cut out sugars. You got to leave the sodas alone. You got to do all these things because it triggers the mind. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to know what made you want to become a representative. How did you get into that? Oh, absolutely. So, like I said, um, after 11th grade and I didn't play football, I was like, you know what? Let me try to find something that I can do on my own time to improve my community. My parents have always been people who raised us to say, hey, you have gifts, but your gifts are only as good as what you can share. Right. So I channeled into that. So when I moved down to D.C. as a pharmacist, the first thing I did was volunteer in schools just to get kids that look like me into sciences. I, when I graduated from my PharmD program, I was the only black male out of 150 students to graduate. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I change this for the next generation? So I came out in D.C. and I'm just like, yo, what, can I, what would I do? What could I do differently than what I had growing up? And that's what I started doing. A couple years ago, um, I ran for a neighborhood commissioner. I moved into East, my, uh, I moved into Southeast D.C. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I feel like I can contribute more than just being in my house all day. Right. So I got involved. Um, and that's what I did. And then most recently, um, to be honest, it was just Washington, D.C. residents, we pay, we're the only Americans living in a non-state that pays federal income taxes. Okay, so slow so, down. Say that part again. Does what? So people in D.C., we don't live in the state, but we pay federal income taxes. Uh-huh. What that means is that we're paying for policies that we don't, we don't get to vote on. So if you're in Puerto Rico, if you're in Virgin Islands, if you're in um, Guam, you don't pay federal. Your money doesn't go to the government. It just goes to your state okay. or wherever you live. So what this means is that we don't get to – so we're paying billions of dollars in, in the Iraq war, and we, didn't, we couldn't say yes or no we can go. Does that make sense? Like we don't have senators mm-hmm. or, and representatives that sit on Congress. So I'm thinking either you give us our money back or you got to let us in. So I've been involved in that fight for about a year and a half, just trying to get equality, you know? Right. And it just comes from the idea of just being involved. Like, I, I'm, I hate to go back to the childhood thing, but when you're left out of everything growing up, like, no one wants to play with you, nobody wants to hang out with you, when you finally get a chance, like, you know, I'm going to get in everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't have this experience. I mean, on a personal level, this affects my relationship with women a lot, like, I don't know if they like me, the real me, mm-hmm. or is it the things that I've acquired and what's new to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, but when you see the thing that men and women get wrong, and I'm going to uh-huh. share some, give you some game. The goal is to get successful, to get the type of woman that you want, right? Okay. Watch what I'm saying. That's the goal. So if a woman yeah. wants you because you're successful, that's part of the game because if you was a bum, nobody would want to fuck with you. 
just like guys will say, oh, that girl's a gold digger. Nah, if you got money, a girl want to fuck with you because you pay now if she's a user, two different things. Because you can have money and success and have the nicest yeah. person in life, but that, that's what attracted her to you and vice versa, right? But you got to understand your success brings on that type of attention and is up to you as a man to learn through life and experiences if this person is right for you. So that's why I always tell people, get someone that has something to lose. Mm-hmm. See, see, when you meet somebody, if they got something to lose, you got a great chance of being content or, as we call it, equally yoked. When you start dating beneath you and that person doesn't have as much as you, and you got a big house, you got status, you got money, and it doesn't work out. Well, all those hard, all those years of hard work, studying, and all that, that person walks away with half of everything that you bust your ass for. So think about yeah. the situation: you got bullied, you got to go to different school, the football games, and you right. bust your ass to get a degree, you bust your ass to become representative pharmacist, all this kind of stuff, right? Now, the woman that you fuck with ain't on your level. Everything she gets, everything you got, she gets half. If you got kids, um, 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 child support. If you marry, alimony and child support. So people are like, oh, it's a business, not a business. It's a business, yo. Yeah. It all comes back to understanding what you have and what you are putting on the table when you see someone that you like. It's hard. You know, you see a beautiful girl, like, oh, my God, I love her. Oh, my God, the pussy's amazing. A girl's like, oh, my God, he's strong. Oh, my God, he got a good dick or whatever, right? And that guy, the girl, got, she got a business. She got a salon. She making right. money. He ain't doing really doing well. But she liked the nigga, you know? But... When you get older, you really have to choose. Is it worth me losing everything if this person wakes up the next day and don't want me? Or this person cheats on me and I have to get a divorce? Whew. See, see, there's certain things I won't gamble. I don't gamble in the stock market. Now, I'm in the stock market, but I'm not an aggressive investor. I'm just in it. Mm-hmm. Marriage. I, I, I'll have a girlfriend, but marriage, to lose everything I've worked hard, that I'm about to leave these kids, and the wife could take it all? Oh, that's on the, the odds of that are not good. I don't like that. I don't like those odds. Well, let me tell you something that fucked me up the other night. Mm-hmm. About like a week ago, I went on a date with this girl, right? She asked me while on a date, am I rich? I'm like, this is weird. She asked me if I had to do it alone. I'm like, this is bizarre. Mm-hmm. At my crib, she told me she doesn't use condoms or birth control. Okay, so she's telling you straight up. So now you make a choice. Have you ever... You ever I ran. Podcast before? Right. I always tell you <laughs> that once you, once, you put your, once you put your dick in a woman and you come in her, she can control your life. 
Oh. And I was thinking about she when she said that. I was like, I can't. You don't want it. nobody to control your life. Like, I've been fortunate because I'm a man's man. You know, I got five baby mamas, right? But they don't fuck with me like that. They know I'm gangster with it. But <laughs> I've seen, yeah, they don't play. But they, 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 I've seen the stories that all the bullshit men have gone through, even women. And I just don't want y'all to go through that. That's why I do these type of shows to influence the hope that people do listen the hope that people do take something from all these shows I've done to apply to their life to better their life. Because I had to live trial and error. You know, I didn't have an OG to tell me nothing. I don't even think I probably would have listened, you know, but I was just truly um, learning as I go. But I got lucky, though. See, a lot of people learn as they go, but they don't get lucky. They end up in jail or dead. Or with the craziest woman or the craziest guy in the world. Right. Like one of the rules I always tell people too, especially these young rappers and young football players and young athletes with females, that when you're young and you're twenty and you're getting a lot of money, you are supposed to just date. That's it. Mm-hmm. You date. You you date. You you be respectful to the lady. You date her, you treat her nice, you know, you want to help out with the bills, you want to buy a car, you want to do things, you can do that. But you don't have to make a commitment. So that way you can put it through school. It's like if, if, if you like a female, my aunt put me up on game with this years ago. She said, <laughs> it, 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 you know, she passed away, we buried her today, um, my aunt Ruth. And she used to say that if the girl you meet doesn't have everything you want, then make her an asset. So if you want to put her through school, because you think this is the one, you want to put her through school, you want to make her this person, then you help her out so she can become equally yoked. But understand your power. A lot of men, a lot of women help somebody out, but then you throw it in their face every chance you get. Don't nobody want to live like that. Right. You know, you do it out of kindness of your heart, and don't expect your blessings to come back from that person because your blessings is going to come from somewhere else. Trust me when right. I tell you that. So you want to help make somebody ask it, help them get there and do it from your heart. And that's where you got to move. Don't be, don't be upset or afraid with a female if she's asking you to have money. You know, hit it back with the same question. What, what do you do? But don't make it <laughs> obvious. See, I don't yeah. ask questions like when I go on a date like that. I let things happen organically. I don't say, right. you know, sometimes I'm going to say what you do, where you from, you know, but I just like talk. That's why education, everything is good from the Michael Jordan story to the pandemic to um, to Donald Trump to to, to Kashi 69, all these subjects. You got to know everything from the rap game all the way to politics. And if you get somebody on that level with you that can communicate, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a win. But it's levels to dating, it's levels to your job. You, but you're single though, right? I'm single right now. Everybody wants me to get married. My parents want me to get married. Uh, my cousin's like, how come you're not married yet? All the girls I date are talking about they want to get married tomorrow and a half. I'm like, come on now. Like, yeah. Nah, <laughs> you just, know? You know, get on Tinder, call you some women over every now and then, get, <laughs> get your balls lit, give them what they want, and go on about your business, yo. I'm telling you. 
you would be a happy man. Because, see, people think they should be married because they go with what society tells them. Oh, you should be married. What the fuck I want to be married for? That's the right. hard shit to be with a person every fucking day. Oh. See, I'm right across you from Howard. You know, I'm like, let me chill a little bit. Yeah, but that's a, yeah. There's a group of cows. There's a group of cows <laughs> graduating every every channel. Yeah, but enjoy your life, man. How old are you now? I just turned thirty in November. Oh yeah, you're a baby. My son, my oldest son, older than you. So <laughs> my my son, you already know the game. He's a good looking kid. <laughs> he works hard. He dates, and I'm proud of him. So that's the thing I'm saying to you too. He's like, "Be my son. You got you. Got to enjoy your life and stay at peace and just date. You know. You, I mean, now you don't have to tell the woman. You don't have to tell the female that you just want to date because that changed your perspective. Just date and see where it goes. But do not get mad if you don't get serious with her. She chooses somebody else. You can't get mad." You have to respect and understand and meet somebody else. But some men will be like, oh, fuck that. I thought we were together. But you didn't make a commitment to her. And it's based on the female, right. based on the guy. But these are just my thoughts. Now, my you question is, you, because uh, you, you know you've been successful for a while. How do you know when somebody likes you for you and not for, you know? It doesn't people. matter. It's that. Okay. As long as I like you, if I like you and you do all the things that I find that's necessary, are you, are you thoughtful? Are you considerate? Do you reach out? Do you text when I text? Do you call when I call? Like those things are important to me. Um, are you working? Are you taking care? Of you? Are you responsible? Are you accountable for your own life? You know, see, see, these are things that happen as you get older. When I was your age, I was, you know, buying bitches cars and jewelry, because that's what I thought was necessary. And it felt good, though. I can't lie. It's a, that's a good feeling to take a woman shopping. It's a good feeling. You take a woman shopping and you're doing things, and, you know, sometimes you get a girl who's loyal to you. Sometimes you could buy a girl something. She'd be on the, the, the same shit you bought her. She went with another motherfucker the next day. I've seen that. <laughs> it, it happens, though. It happens. So I tell men, if you don't have the stomach for it, don't do it. I'll tell women that if you know you're not going to be um, right by that guy, don't take it. Mm-hmm. And just keep moving. But, again, like I said, you live through trial and error. So I, the, when I started dating like I was, most of the women that I know are extremely successful. They got their own shit going on, and that's important to me. But that took years to find that in life because at your age, you're not going to find too many girls that really got it going on. It's impossible. Right. They got their own house, got pushing their own car, got their own business, making Hundred twenty, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand a year. Not at thirty. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. But as time goes on, those things will occur. It will happen for you. I thought you just got to tell you, you just got to take one day at a time. And the most important thing is that you got over. Well, you sort of got over your depression. You sort of got over everything, but your success 
trumps all the things you have gone through in your life. You feel me? Yeah. You know, you're successful now. You're on your way, doing your things. You know, so now what do you need now to get you to become a representative, correct? Yes, yeah. What do we do do to get this done, to get get the people to to, um, vote for you? When is the election? What's going on, et cetera? Absolutely. So the next election is on June 2nd. And then once I win the Democratic nomination, the general election is on November 3rd, like every like the presidential election. Right. Now, so what are you doing to now, promote? Yeah, what are you doing promoting yourself? Because it's still promoting, but it's kind of hard right. now with the COVID, right? So how, what are you Hell doing? yeah. You, you can't do nothing. You can only go online and really, like, you know, talk to people online, which is the hardest thing to do, possibly, yeah, to be honest, because everyone's online. But, you know, you're knocking on doors, you're getting your friends to, you know, call their friends. So right now, the biggest thing is just to amplify the message, you know, like get my name out, but even more importantly, just to continue the conversation in D.C. statehood. Not a lot of people know about the issues going on in D.C., but right mm-hmm. now we're, we're being treated as second-class citizens over here because we can't vote on things. We don't control our own money. We, uh, we don't control our own laws. The federal government just tempts us, man. And it's yeah, they do. I'm tired of it. We have a lot of people here who deserve to have a voice too. You know, we're paying taxes right. like anybody else. We're paying the highest taxes. Yes. And we ain't got nothing to show for it. Yeah, so true. And and when they run for office, they always talk about the black agenda, right? Mm-hmm. They always yeah. talk about the black agenda, and then they get there, and we are forgotten about. Facts. We Facts. are forgotten about. We really are. If you care about health care, if you care about immigration that treats everyone with with, with uh, respect, if you care about the environment, I mean, we should get two more senators up in there from D.C. that will vote for that. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Republicans are like, we don't want that because they know it's Democratic, but that's not what America is about. You don't make decisions based off political interests. You do what's right. Right, right. Oh, man, let me tell you, do what's right, throw that shit out the window. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right is out the window, yo. This is I good. You, man. I, and and I saw that when Donald Trump punked the Republicans. Oh. Did oh, he punk them? I mean, they. I mean, I want to say like this. They act like bitches right now, man. Like yo, they, you know, they can't. <laughs> you know. When he was running Nobody. for election, they're talking about they don't like him. But now he here, they're like, okay, we we behind one hundred percent. Yeah, he punked them. Nobody stood their ground as a man. Yeah. Everybody knew this man was wrong, and if we would have got him yeah. out of office, guess what? We probably wouldn't have the COVID thing going on in America. Yeah. You understand? We'd have got him out. Somebody else would have made a better decision. Yep. So by leaving him in there and him talking about it as a hoax and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to disappear, this is what led to what's going on. This is a lot of people have died on his watch. Mm-hmm. And I just hope people come November, they they remember this. I had seven family members die from COVID. Wow. We had to bury my aunt today, last one, seven. 
mean, you know, and he doesn't even, he, he wants to open back up. See, Dan wants to open I can back tell you up. a bad decision, right? To be governor, mayor, or president of the United States right now is kind of hard, right? And let me tell you why. Because you wait too long, the economy can never make it back. You wait too long, it might be problems that we are not foreseeing. So it's a gift and a curse. You want to open it up, but at the same time, you don't because they don't have a vaccine. Right. People are still dying. And it's crazy. It's, I, I wouldn't want to be governor or president right now to make a decision because then what about the people who are not getting it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, 14 days, 10 days is cool, but when you start going in months and messing up people's livelihoods, closing yeah. down their stores, they can't, man, some people think, well, this is how I'm going to go live my life and I'll take the chances until somebody in your family get it or you get it. How long That's do you crazy. think it would take for us to get back to normal? Or do you think I hope it's back before I turn 70. So I'm <laughs> about, 10, about 10 years. Yeah. But think about it, though, right? And since 2000 and to 2020, we've had a lot of crazy things, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Right, the collapse of the... Um, um, the, the um, stock market and real estate. Yep. The pandemic. I mean, kids that was born in 2020, it's been fucked up these last 20 years. <laughs> Man, it's been crazy, yo. And then you got the weather. Everybody talk about that. And see, America and the world has been exposed. We're not prepared for nothing. Mm. Think about it. We're not prepared for nothing. We're not prepared for a pandemic. You show what the doctors and the hospitals and the nurses are going through, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with now what, ha- what happens is we get a big earthquake. Oh. Other situations that happen, it doesn't show that we are prepared, and yeah. that's what's scary. We're not prepared for nothing, what and then, the like COVID I said, poor leadership. You know, mm-hmm. look at what look what they've done in Canada and other parts of the world, and look how America yep. treats its own people. Yep. Everybody bill should be. I mean, I know they're giving us money, or like your 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 rent and your mortgage. They should still find some way to take care of that, yep. especially homeowners, right? They should. They. I'm not saying don't pay them. I'm saying for the three or four months that you are having problems, you should be able to put that money on the back end of your loan, defer it, so they still get yep. the money, you know. But we just don't have um, good leadership, and people are not thinking. People are not thinking. So here we are. So everybody has a, a, a conspiracy theory. Everybody has a thought. What's going to happen, you know, remember it was 5G for a minute. Oh, 5G is killing us. It's the 5G that's tied to COVID. You know, people say some crazy shit. Yeah. They really do. So you just got to live life, keep your mouth quiet, you know, speak when you think it's necessary so you don't sound like a fool. 
That's all you can do, family. That's all you can do. So now, how do we vote for you? All right. So my website is oya number four dc. O as in Oscar, Y as in Yale, E as an elephant. Number four, then dc dot com. Okay, let's say it one more time from the beginning because I think I was talking. O as in orange, Y as in yellow, E as an elephant, then number four, and then DC, like District of Columbia. Okay, now say the whole word together. OEA4DC.com. OEA4DC.com. Now, does that your name mean anything? It actually means uh, the king. Ah, that's awesome, yo. Yeah, yeah and believe it or not, believe it or not. That's awesome. And then, uh, and then my ins- my Instagram is also OEA4DC. Okay, and we wish you the best. Now, how much money have you put into this campaign? My own personal money? Yeah, because you got uh, a lot of money to win, fam. You ain't going to get I, this I, shit I, just I, off I, my show. You got to put money. <laughs> you know, I, my podcast is your podcast, but you got to put money <laughs> to win. <laughs> For well, the primary ad, I put at least ten, ten thousand in. Um, you're not going to no put... disrespect. You're not going to win, yo. Mm-hmm. You got to. I got spin. a lot of support from my friends, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to be out there in the streets with a mask on. You got to go door for door like guerrilla marketing. Yeah. And get people to know about you, you know, because ten thousand is nothing in this business. You got to, you know. Even the election now, even you could be the greatest candidate, right? But if you ain't spending fifty, sixty million dollars to win the president, because that's what's going to cost now to become president of the United States. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You got to have money. It's all about paper. I feel you. I'm gonna make you proud, though, TK. You know I will. Okay, family. All right, that's important to me. I'll be proud. You know, when this is over, just keep watching my Instagram. And all that because um, my show was in D.C. and in um, Baltimore in April. Cause did you didn't come to my show in D.C., huh? Yeah, I did. You did come. I did. But I, I took a picture with you in Baltimore too. Yeah. Okay, I just don't remember shit. You know, I shake hands and talk to so many people. <laughs> well, when I left D.C., I was sick for like two weeks after that. Oh, I had the flu. Yeah, I was there for two weeks. That shit was crazy. I was, I mean, I was sick of it, but I really uh-huh. enjoyed that club. Yeah. And see, so much going on because they're getting ready to open up two more. I was investing in two more comedy clubs. And I, this is just going to be a great, 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 great fucking year. So we see where it goes. I wish you the best, family. I wish you your blessing on your Thank journey. You. You're 30 years young. And just like I said, take one day at a time. Enjoy yourself. Don't worry about what the women think. Treat them nice. Give them flowers. Eat pussy. Buy them drinks. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, don't work out. Next. <laughs> That's how you do. That's how you live your life. Don't, don't, don't. Like I was told the first other day, don't take, a famous person said this once. They said, don't take life too seriously because you'll never get it out of it alive. You know who that was? Oh, Bugs Bunny. Wow. It was on a cartoon. They be saying some real shit in cartoons sometimes, man. Yep, they damn sure do. 
They sure do. I wish you the best, family. Got to run. May your pain be champagne, and we'll stay in touch. All right, thank you. You're welcome, sir. Make sure you follow TK Kirkland on Instagram at TK underscore Kirkland. For more information about upcoming events and more, visit www.officialtkkirkland.com. This episode of the TK Kirkland Show was produced by Chris Thomas, executively produced by Charlemagne the God. This is an official Loudspeakers Network production.